The Say Something Podcast is brought to you by AmomentWithMorris.com and BlackBlueprints.com. That's BlackBlueprints with a Z dot com. I'm Jermaine Morris here with the one and only Mr. Barry Axius. Peace and blessings, family. We are bringing you the Say Something Podcast. Say some, say some, say something. That's what we get together, talk about everything going on out here in the life and the traffic in the world out here in these streets. In these, in these, in these cold, cold streets. Smoothed out this week. <laughs> Smoothed out this week, baby. <laughs> Smoothed out as we bring you episode number 68. Bam! Come with this. Pow! Come with the six eight. We coming for you. We getting at you, honey. By the end of this year, as always, we like to dedicate a moment to uh, to reflect on, on greatness in Black history. Break it on down. On telling our own stories, highlighting our own people, and, and and telling our own narrative. So this week, I'd like to dedicate to a gentleman, uh, incredibly influential. Who a lot of times does not get his just due. A lot of times we talk about, you know, we talk about the, the fruit that comes off a tree, but sometimes we forget about the tree. You know, we, we forget where the where these branches and it extended from. So this gentleman was born in Georgia in 1897, long in the two. So when we and also when we talk about history and we like to think that it was that long ago, like it really wasn't. And so this gentleman was born in Georgia in 1897. He was one of 13 children. He got as far as a third grade education before he was pulled out to responsibilities that he had with his family. Ultimately, in uh, 1917, he was part of him and his family were part of the first great migration out of the South. Like where it just wasn't cool no more. If you was, you know, <laughs> if you was down south leading into the Great Depression, stuff was going left. Like there was the, the first great migration of, of black people left the south to make their way up north. He and his family found his way to Michigan. Mm. And while spending time in Michigan as, as an adult as, with his family and, and making moves, he ran across a brother by the name of uh, Wallace Fard Muhammad. Okay. And while he was there, he started learning more and more about uh black nationalist movements mm. he was a son of a baptist preacher and so he he was kind of drawn to the word like when people were kind of speaking life but what was really uh what he really gravitated to because he was around people who were sp- speaking black life mm-hmm. like the betterment of black people specifically yeah you know and so that was something that really opened his ears up and something that he gravitated to where he had ultimately joined the group was the uh, allah temple of islam and under wallace fard muhammad uh, ultimately he Got the, took the reins. And in that time period, he got on a major campaign of, of speaking about self-independence, about producing, about protection, about black people doing for black people. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was arrested for uh, draft evading, and he was also brought up on charges about trying to influence other black people not to join the military. Mm. And uh, as he once he made, made his way back home, he went on. A, he went hard in the paint. On really spreading the message and spreading the word. And after Wallace Fard Muhammad had stepped down and passed the reins fully to him, they changed from the Allah Temple of Islam of uh, Islam to the Nation of Islam. Mm. Uh, this brother went on to be responsible for inspiring the likes of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Muhammad Ali, uh, Honorable Louis Farrakhan, as well as our late great brother Malcolm X. Mm. 
though he may have had uh, different parts of his personal life, which people highlight and focus on. This is what I say. You have to show the respect to the tree if you're going to respect the fruit that it bears. Yes, sir. So rest in peace one time, a little love to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Ah, yes. Man, the black man is God. The message of the black man will change your life. You read that book before? I, I snippets. You know, something that got me was something that was in uh, Malcolm's autobiography, which was that conversation he had with the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. That Kareem was what changed Kareem too. It was the two glasses of water theory about you know how you have uh, the dirty glass of water and a clean glass of water, and it's not about trying to convince the person. To not drink out the dirty glass, you just show them the clean glass. Mm. And that was really his thing. I'm not going to try to talk you out of your ideology and your beliefs. I'm just going to show you something that's a better way. Mm. And and that's where, that's where a lot of us gravitated to and on that message to the nation. Because it's like, look, I don't need to try to convince you that you don't need to work for the system mm. or work for the man. Let mm. me just show you what working for yourself looks like. Let yourself. Yeah, let me show you what being able to provide and protect for your own looks like. Let me show you when you're not asking for opportunities, you're in a position to give opportunities. What does that look like? Mm. And from then you'll make the decision on your own. You know, and like I said, a lot of times people get hung up on some of the ins and outs, and and, and I'm not a scholar in that respect to to know what was factual through and through. Yeah. Um, but all I can look at is is that I respect, I have so much respect for so much of the fruit. Off the tree. Mm-hmm. That's why I say I think it's important that we do that we because the, the tree don't get acknowledged enough. Even though sometimes the branches on the tree is a little bit poisonous. Sometimes. Sometimes the people say. I mean, there's a lot of uh, backstory. Yeah. On on, on the brother. Um, you know, a lot of the reasons why Mal- Malcolm X left him. Yeah. You know, some of the the different things that didn't sit right with him or didn't sit right with the mission. Yeah. Um. We don't know what's to be true and what's to be false, but the reality is the good works that this brother has done um, and definitely um, is not looked upon enough, um, acknowledged enough for the goods that he has brought to um, the black community and to, you know, the nation. And it's kind of uh, it's unfortunate, you know, with all the good works, you have uh, a lot of. controversy yeah. behind it all right yes and yes. it seems like that's the nature of for black people in a higher position man or woman it's always got to be some backstory or some something <laughs> behind the scenes that taints their uh, legacy so yeah. to speak yeah and i'm not one of those people that sits back and says well i'm a he wasn't perfect or, or, you know, I don't I don't hold I'm not in a position to judge somebody's life and character through and through. Like I said, I'm when it comes to like leadership and when it comes and a good example. So I, I take you, for example, we talk about mentorship, and yeah. leadership groups. Because I ain't a perfect motherfucker. Yeah, you don't necessarily. <laughs> that's why I talk about the tree, because a lot of us like to sit and say, well, that branch was hung yeah. a little low. These leaves weren't this and that. But I'm going to look at the fruit that you bear. Yeah. And so for everything, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was or wasn't. There was so much consistent fruit, like for some people just to kind of wrap their brain around the, who, what came, who came off that tree. So you had uh, Malcolm, you got Louis Farrakhan and you've got, you know, Kareem and Ali directly or indirectly. You got Jay Electronic off that free fruit. You got MC Ran off that fruit. Khalid Muhammad. Yeah. You got brothers Cam, uh, Benjamin uh, Chavez, 
you've got scholars. You've you got, got Ice Wesley Cube, that, Muhammad. That, that Ice Cube that was very fully, uh, you know, directly uh, influenced by the, yeah. uh, the the nation as well. And then you've got groups that spurned off uh, the new Black Panther Party or mm-hmm. fruit off that tree. The uh, Natural Society of African American Policemen. Uh, is from that tree. Uh, leaders and, and executives throughout the NAACP are off that tree. You've mm-hmm. got different organizations that you know that, it run, that it, no, it runs deep. It yeah, runs and so deep. for some people, are like man, he you know he had the issue with the women or or his issues with with Malcolm. Those same people still listen to R. Kelly, by the way. But go yeah, ahead. yeah. But my thing is, like I said, I, I can't look at that much proper prosperous fruit and just negate the tree it comes yeah. from. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, so when you're doing mentorship stuff, he said that well Barry was this or Barry wasn't that. If 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 15 years <laughs> from now, they say that a lot. Yeah, 15 years from now, young men who came up through the MOB, sisters that came up through New, if you've got neurosurgeons, uh, governors, NASA Man. scientists, you've got doctors in in, in neurology, you've got. Uh, Active, uh, you know, people who are working in the community and helping out. Like after a while, there's going to be so much fruit that that whatever someone believes about you personally or not, I'm going to say, look, he may have been this, he may have been that, but but the proof is in the fruit that he bears. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's a constant um, battle when you're in the public eye, when you're creating change, when you're you know helping black people, especially. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's going to be vultures, there's going to be lions, there's going to be snakes. And you find that you're dealing with all the vultures, lions, and snakes more or less more than you're having to deal with the work that you need to do to help your people, right? Yeah. You're constantly having to reinvent yourself, but at the same t- in the same sense, you also have to uh, be a person that has to shield yourself, right? Yeah. And defend yourself. Um, we are not made perfect. I pass as I really don't look at it as our failures when we feel like we've been defeated from the things that we've done. But I look at them as lessons. And if you learn from those lessons, you could be able to teach greater lessons for those that are behind you. So yeah. I look at um, some things are unspoken. And I think some things when I look back at what the things that I've done in my life and how I had to come to uh, my my Jesus quote quote moment. To like, yo, this is not going to work out in the next 10 years. Yeah. I look at me as being able to say I walked in the, uh, the, 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 the footsteps of redemption. But I think that there's some things that if I did do, I would not be able to participate in this work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I never went so far to um, take that much of integrity. Right. I was a drug dealer, but, um, you know, I wasn't a child abuser. You know okay. what I mean? <laughs> it's kind of like, you know. I've had plenty of women. I've done plenty of things, but I never uh, sexually assaulted anybody. Okay. Right? You know what I mean? And and sometimes I believe that there are those who walk amongst us. Um, you know, I had a one daughter, right? And I've taken care of many more, right? Yeah. But there's individuals that have these these uh uh you know hidden secret babies and things of that nature. Or people that have done things that walk around our community. Um, and I don't think they hold themselves accountable uh, more or less than us looking at them and feeling that they are accountable because I think that there's certain things you can't do and feel that you can redeem yourself in the community. It's just got to be, you got to play the bench. We believe and understand that you probably feel bad (laughs) for all of these things that's happened in the past, but some things, regardless of how much you're forgiven, there's just 
it, it ain't gonna work to be in the this kind of realm no matter all the years that you probably spent you know sitting on the bench and staying in prison or um you know just i honestly think just being in a place where you feel okay enough is enough i think that i can now try to help those because what i've done you know yeah. what i mean i just just it happens a lot in our community, unfortunately. And what I think is something that's important is, is that because there are some people say, well, how can you speak on this or how can you mentor with that or how can you teach when you did this? Something that I got growing up, like like my father had a lot of amazing uh, quotes and, and not even gonna call them rules, but kind of principles mm-hmm. to follow. And even if he fell short of them himself, it didn't make the principle any less valid. You know, if you sit there and say, you know, you take throughout the the nation, the upholding of women, a nation will only rise as high as its women. And he's like, well, you know, if you really look through there, there was some uh, misogyny going on. There was some women who were whatever, whatever. To say that a nation will only rise as high as its women is still valid Mm. to say that, well, you know, we need to respect and protect and value and be there for our women even if you came and found out that if you ask my woman, she's going to tell you, he ain't going to do none of that. It doesn't mean that the principle isn't valid. Yeah. And, and so I think that there's there's that position. And then, like I said, there are like you were saying, there are some things you can't come home from. I and just, if, I, you, I, if you I got popped a half that. dozen times for shoplifting, I'm not putting you in charge of funds. Not at all. You know, you, you, you're not the one who, who, who got the bank codes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there, there's some things you just going to have to you can give your input from afar. Yeah, I mean, I just don't, you know, <laughs> if, if, if you was Pookie for 10 years, I'm definitely not going to put you by the medicine cabinet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's certain stuff that you can't come back from. But I think that what we, you know, as a community, we like to pick and choose at times, you know, those deal breakers. And, and sometimes I, I think that it's important that when we speak on, on our narratives, that we make those judgments ourselves, mm-hmm. that we don't let other people tell us who are important to us and let other people tell us who we're supposed to value. Mm-hmm. And uh, other people come in and say, oh, you shouldn't listen to that. Well, no, because maybe that's who I need to listen to. Yeah. And, you know, and speaking, you know, to what, you know, I said, Brother, uh, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, you know, I said his issues with most people had had to do with women. Uh, the Nation of Islam as a whole, you know, if you go back through its history, women are integral in, in its running and function. But here's the thing. There's one thing about an issue with women, but let's be very clear on what it what the rumor was under age women. It's a difference. I think a lot of brothers have issues with women. I know I'm one of them. <laughs> but the underage women, I think that's a whole different yes. spectrum. So, so that's why I'm separating him from the nation of Islam. Mm-hmm. So it, it, his issues with, with underage women, with not being upfront about the ones he was taking care of, his issues in his personal life, those weren't what was, that's not the preachings. That's not the teachings. The principles were to protect and to take care of and to be self-sufficient and to be able to handle your your situation and your family. Mm-hmm. The principles are valid. Yeah. You know, so regardless if he was on the up and up on all the things that was, you know, that was on paper, uh, that's whatever. But I think that uh, the significance and the importance and the principles of, of recognizing the value of the women in our community, mm-hmm. about recognizing that they're not um, accessories, that they're not extras. You know, they're, they're not just background. 
you know, about how integral that the women in, in our society and culture and family are, are just key. Yeah. You know, and that shining light on those, those principles that they have, I think they're important. Uh, something that is uh, the month of October addressing women mm-hmm. uh, is the uh, is National uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Yep. And uh, something that, uh, personally to me, my mother is a 10 year breast cancer survivor. Yes, sir. Shout out to mama. Yeah, yeah. I'm mama soldier. And, uh, but I lost an aunt to it. Mm. You know, and uh, I was involved in the, the function they have out in Sacramento, the a breast cancer walk. They do it nationally, but they have their, their leg of it was here. And hearing all the stories of, 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 of sisters, what they go through in that process, you know, and, and recognizing. And when you talk to family members of the women who are going through who uh, treatments or who've uh, who lost their moms or sisters or aunts, like just how much that just destroys the family. Like how just how 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 pivotal and how important the mom is, you know. Usually when we talk about families as we get older. Usually it's when grandma passes is when the family kind of fragments. Yeah. You know, when, when grandpa passes, usually you know it's kind of kind of whatever. But when grandma goes, that's usually when there's no more Sunday dinners, there's no more getting together for functions. It's a tough moment. Yeah. You know, it, it just the women in in our society and our culture are just so important that I don't think that we. Uh, we highlight them enough in certain areas. I mean, I think that black women don't get highlighted enough. I think there's a lot of white women that get highlighted a lot, a lot. <laughs> when I say us, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm it was, uh, yeah of course, you know. Um, and it's a sad part. I remember when my auntie had passed away from cancer. I want to say it was 2000. I want to say 2007. And um, that, whew, talk about. A death blow. Literally, um, I remember this was when I was in a music game and my artist and us, we had went and did a party for my, my cousin who's now got, uh, what, three beautiful babies. And um, my other cousin who has two, they were uh, brothers and sisters. They had just graduated. What was their, I want to believe their uh, high school graduation or something okay. like that, right? And so it was kind of like, whoa, um, glad y'all made it, right? And, um, we just had a stellar time and my auntie was just so vibrant and um, everybody like it was like her house was the house that you went to that when everyone was scattered, you knew to go there to find yeah. yourself. Right. Yeah. You, know I mean? you, yeah. you, you were in Egypt, but you come back and that's a place you got the foods always there. Home base. Oh, man. Foods always there. Family members always there. You get to catch up and um after that party, like I said, literally, she was vibrant. She was dancing. We were having a, a gay old time. After that party, a week later, she had collapsed. Um, she collapsed, rushed her to the hospital, and um, you know, we just found out that she was, you know, she had cancer. And um, just, uh, uh, just the way it hit home, you know, to our family, that really kind of like the close knit family that I once was um, used to, because. We've always been kind of spread out, but it was like for the last probably six years prior, we had always, you know, linked up, you know, family Sunday dinners or Friday Sunday dinners. Usually it was Friday um, and they was heavy into church. But, you know, Friday we all come down and this is, you know, me and my daughter was living in Sacramento. So we just knew whether either be a Friday or a Sunday, we're going to one of the cribs that kind of just uh, changed all that dynamic. It, yeah. it, it switched up. Um, 
I don't think that my family, you know, from this side has really ever fully recovered, um, you know, uh, from my auntie's passing. But just to understand um, the bearings of that and watching it. And this woman wasn't um, broke. She was she she you know she was good. She took care of herself. I mean, you know, um, they had some money to find some treatment and they never got it. Never got it in time. Um, and it, it, it's it's a it's fucks me up because it's like, damn, we have these diseases like cancer that, that you know, are it's probably in everything that we do, our food, our water. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And when you see someone that you love go from liveliness to strength and gets whittled down within seconds. Yeah. And mind you, I had one of my mentees um, pass away at 23 from some weird, uh, like, real unique cancer as well. Yeah. Watching a close relative, right, literally just vanish uh, right before your eyes. Um, it's a tough thing. I, I, I give praise and, and I love to everybody that, you know, do the walks and the marathons and donate. I honestly look at it as a scam though overall it's a, it's another thing that they figured out how to raise and make money and the money that we're getting is paying uh big corporations uh you know the medical people are freaking uh you know hitting a home run the insurance people are, are running to the bank it's just another thing that we continually to put more money put more money but we don't have a cure yet and i think that it's just yeah a lot of people have been saved due to some of the research but like damn how much more money are we going to give to something until we actually have a cure that's going to save everybody right i think yeah. it's it's just like big business man to me you know it's it's noble and i know people don't do it um for any other reason a lot of times those walks on march because they really believe in it I, I, yeah, I, that's not taken walks, away yeah most of those walks you're not necessarily yeah. specifically donating yeah, but, a lot but, of them it's, it's but the, the, the the reality of the whole concept yeah, they make money off of is is of, of cancer research and how to utilize um the pink ribbons and and then now this uh, glamorized and more effective marketing scheme to me to kind of give us uh to donate to something that I believe, you know, call me a conspiracy theorist or whatever, that they have a cure, but cancer is big business just like any other disease. Yeah. Yeah. Most things in your medicine cabinet, your refrigerator, your pantry are cancer causing. And if we really just did the, the rundown of the things that cause it, uh, you couldn't function in your day to day life. Because uh, you would have to give up ninety percent of what you're used to, and, and, and that's and, just and that's just and that's just the craziest part. It's like before, it was almost. I remember when I was younger, it was like if you don't smoke tobacco, you probably be good cancer free. Yeah, you know, it's like it's, smoking tobacco guarantee. You know, nine times out of ten, if you got cancer, it was from smoking. <laughs> smoking. Now, right now, it's like fuck around and, and everything else. You know, we we can sit there and use. The washing soap, you know what I'm saying, to wash some dishes and the soap puts in our pores, has some cancerous kind of, you know what I'm saying, ingredients. It's just it's just it's crazy, man. Yeah, it, it's um, 
And, and, and if you've never had a close person who, who passed the cancer, consider yourself lucky at this stage. Because I it's mean, not fun, bro. It's not. I had, like I said, my mom, ten years survivor. Aunt passed away. Uncle died of love. And my cancer. father. And, my, and, and, and you know, I know we're talking about the women. But my father's a survivor as well from cancer. Yeah, my father and grandfather prostate cancer. Yeah, prostate. Older <laughs> brother was born with cancer in his leg. Brother, check it. out your prostate, man. Yeah, my brother had to have his leg amputated at his hip when he was four. Uh, Say what? My brother was born with cancer in his leg around his calf. So at four, he had to have his leg amputated at his hip. So he's wow. so, so one of my older brothers. <laughs> Like uh, so, we talk about cancer. Like it's it's I, I've seen it my entire life, and that's that's why it's you know for me it hits maybe a little more than the average person because I've just seen it so many times. Like I've seen this movie so many times before. No, I get it, man. Um, and so I just looking at the effects and like something that I get like them walks for me are usually uh, there was a friend that we used to we used to, we kind of walked for mm. while she was she came down she was uh, diagnosed with breast cancer while she was pregnant, mm. and so she had to do treatments. While she was pregnant mm. and uh, everything lined up, the baby was born healthy and she made it through, uh, lost her hair, the, the whole nine, all that whole treatment while she was pregnant. Um, and so she made it through fine. But it's just like those conversations we have while you're out there and you'll talk to people who are walking for somebody, somebody mm. they lost pictures on T-shirts, the whole nine. And when you just start hearing the stories, you know, over and over and some do men get breast cancer, too. Uh, so it's not just a woman's thing. But when you start hearing about that impact of, of the woman in the family, you know, that 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 impact of, of that, that what that means. And, you know, as men, as we're sitting here talking, you know, taking ownership of the women in our lives in the sense of prompting them to get checked. Mm-hmm. You know, just like, you know, they'll be on us about, you know, did you get your checkup? Did you take your stuff? Whatever. You know, making sure that we're doing the same due diligence about our sisters, our moms, our aunts, our cousins, about making sure that they're taking care of themselves. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to cancer in this country, uh, black women and white women get cancer at breast cancer specifically at roughly the same rate. Okay. But the mortality rate is drastically higher for black, black women. women, of course. So uh, three major components that they have. Part of it is genetics, meaning how how many people in your family already have it. Uh, another one is uh, your biology, the biology of the cancer, how it affects the because di- as much as we like to say we're all the same, it's just a color difference. There are some genetic makeups and different. Well, for some people, they think it's just the color of our skin, <laughs> but there are some biological and genetic makeup Come differences. On, man, stop so, it. so the biology of the cancer is different. But a major reason why the mortality rate is higher for black women than white women healthcare. is the health care. Period. Health care. And, and not if you have it or not, but the quality and the type uh-huh. that it is that you have. Yep. And so you'll find that uh, more white women, they'll they'll get diagnosed and the treatments that they get high are, quality are quicker, better, high quality. Uh, they had that, that case when Serena was talking about when she was pregnant, how the doctor didn't believe her. Yeah, about and that was stuff. Serena Williams. Listen, and, and there were all those stories coming out where women were saying and even doctors uh, <laughs> of, of varying ethnicities were saying that they, they've seen that trend that black women typically aren't believed when no. they come in and talk about symptoms and stuff. And so just as being men, not not speaking on what women should do or how women should get checked or whatever, but just as, as speaking as men about making sure that we're recognizing the value uh, of the women in our lives, the, 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 the our mothers, our sisters, our daughters. Uh, and then, you know, giving that nudge. Hey, no. Have you been checked? If you know cancers in your family, don't wait till you're 45 to get the past from there. You're 30. Same with dudes. Like like my grandfather had prostate cancer. My father had prostate cancer. They told all me and my brothers that we can't wait until 40. Mm. By 30, you need to get checked. Mm. 
because that's, you know, two generations in a row. Yeah. If you mess around and wait till you're 40, 41 to get checked, you might be behind the able. Mm. You know, and the same with women. If you know grandma had it or, or auntie had it, you should be talking to your little sister. Yeah. You need to get checked sooner than later. Yeah. You know, and just making sure that we're doing our due diligence on making sure that our, our women are here because they are so important to, to the family and, and to to us. Yeah, I think that um, when you look at it as a man is always been told he's the protector. I think that the protector needs to go into a deep, deeper definition. And yeah. when you say um, making sure they're spiritually protected, making sure that they're, um, you know, physically protected is always important. But I mean, healthy, <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, let's let's make sure that we protect them in their health. And ask those questions and, you know, hey, let's 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 go ahead and, um, you know, let's walk a little bit. Let's go ahead and let's go get to the go to the hospital and, and both go get um, checked up for, you know, the cancer things and just all these other different things that I believe that we don't think about because we just are um, in the immediate. Right. The immediate is uh, protecting them from harm in a sense of a physical way, making sure that we providing them where it's giving them gifts, right? Making sure um, they're fed, making sure that, you know, there's a household over their head. I think that we don't think in a deeper lens of all those other stuff. I think that we look at it like, yo, they'll figure it out. I mean, yeah, shit, they that's, done that's her carry, stuff. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, they done carried that's her uh, woman issues. Uh, and that's a her. baby for nine months. And, you know, matter of fact, I think that sometimes we believe that they're so on it because black women have always been on it, right? Like always yeah. been able to unfortunately be the provider they when got yeah when they be the provider when there's no one to provide for them to be able to figure out some situation i've watched black women um you know do some amazing things with a little bit of nothing and make it look like it was a lot yeah so i think that we always look at like yeah you know she 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 knows what's going she on she always got it she but in reality they need that push just like we need that push they need that a bit of encouragement because it's just as much as it's scary for us it's scary for them Nobody wants to be at the doctor's office hearing some old wild shit. No matter, no matter how uh, strong that person is, no matter how much you think that person got it all together, um, once you hear that, um, it triggers. You know, once you hear, oh, you have this kind of cancer or that kind of cancer, it right there, the 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 trigger the me- mechanisms to you know the response of what you're going to do after is huge. And I think that we don't acknowledge or are connected emotionally enough for that. I think that women are there for us, um, you know, for that moment because they're telling us to go get checked. They're telling us you should do this. You're telling us, but it doesn't really happen um, on the reverse end because, again, we always believe that they are always in the know, always taking care of themselves. But shoot, they got just as much pressure as we do, we especially do. now. And, and going right along with that is men typically live five years longer when they're married hmm. <laughs> like a, a man who gets married typically lives longer because he's got a woman that's more so kind of dictates his meals yeah. you know you leave it up to him he's having beer and pizza or he's getting these chips or he's that she's the one that's like throwing a couple of extra extra vegetables on the plate hmm. using a little less salt she's the one that's like all right come on we're, we're going to the doctor on tuesday and it's not in the form of a question you know, did you take your pills yet? Did, did you do this, that, and that? She's the one. All right, you know, we got to go for a walk. Like, 
women are, are add years to our lives. They're, um, they, they're the care providers. Yeah. And, and with us, somebody I remember had a conversation with a young man not too long ago. And we were talking about like men's roles, like, you know, manhood stuff, whatever. Uh, and I was telling him. There's still such a thing? Yeah. Contrary to what you see on the gram, it does still exist. And I said the simplest way I can explain it to you that was kind of explained to me is that a man's job is to make a woman feel safe. And so that's safe in the sense that if the world is falling apart and she's got the weight on her shoulders, she knows if she leans back, she can trust you to catch her. Mm. And that's in whatever it is. That's like if, if I feel stressed, I feel pressure. I need just a li- just enough space to breathe. He got me. You know, that may be financially. I know I'm not going to be homeless if I have a man. You know what I mean? If, if, if it's this pressure's getting on me, if this, even if it's it's I feel safe that if I haven't talked to him in two days, he's not laying up with some other woman mm. like, you know, what I mean? like I, to make her feel safe in whatever that is. And uh, for us, like I said, I think we, we take women's strength for granted in the sense that we think that their stuff is their stuff. Yeah. She knows she need to pass mayor. She knows she need this. She knows, you know, yes, the average dude, you know, does she use pads or this and that? The only reason why you would know is if when you try to get some, what the barrier is, Yeah. you know, like, Oh no, it was this. Cause I was trying and, and, and you know, but, but actually, you know, taking that consideration and, and being involved and engaged and looking out for, for not only the woman that, you know, you call your woman, but like I said, your little sister, you know, make 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 sure auntie's good. Make sure yeah. your mama's straight. Yeah. You know, I I think that sometimes you know because I have a daughter, I think we do that a lot more for our uh, you know our kids, our kids. You know what I mean? Um, and then the reality is that for me as a man, you know, I hold my daughter in a special light. So I think a lot of times what I would probably do for a woman. Um, I probably do more for my daughter. Yeah. Just, I don't know, just a, a thing that I just, you know, try to, uh, you know, subconsciously just kind of create that idea for her, her in her mind of her self-worth. So it's like, you know, trips, uh, you know, encouragement, you know, being an example, constant conversation, date nights, just all those different things. You know, I'm, I'm constantly reminding her, you know, how important she is by just, you know, Giving her the benefits, right, of a, of a, a man. You yeah. Know? She may not get that from other dudes, and I don't think she does as much as she probably would want to <laughs> yeah. from her. You know, like, damn, dad. I mean, can I date someone else but you? But I, but I just, I feel like I have to protect her because you know, there's wolves out there, and you know, in the most part, a lot of these young men have drifted so far away from understanding or valuing any kind of women. And I look at a lot of the things when we look at the temperature of our community and what has shifted. When you look at it from, you know, now to then, you had a lot of the music, I think, plays a huge part besides like the fatherless fatherless homes. Cause I think we've always had the fatherless homes, but I think we had so many men that we could kind of move and navigate to that kind of played the big brother, father or uncle, right? Yeah, Luther yeah. Vangels definitely played the big uncle. You know what I'm saying? Somebody and, that was, you yeah. know, just in, in, you know, Bobby Brown, well, you know, the, the, the don't be cruel Bobby Brown. Yeah. You know, of course he played like the, uh, the older brother. And, and I say that by some of the soundtracks where I, 
we were busy listening to some of the, you know, AMG, Bitch Better Have My Money. We was also grounded by the guys, the Cheryl Leverts, you know what I'm saying? The high fives and all those songs that made us, you know, Ralph Trasvan, that made us think about a woman in a different light. You know yeah. what I mean? And gave us that that emotional piece of, you know, being able to, you know, love your woman. I remember watching uh the Mario uh, uh, video, like it's uh, "You Should Let Me Love You." Yeah, 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 and he's yeah, yeah. dancing around with the, you know, the chick in the video, yeah. and I'm like, "Yo, that's dope." I used to do things like that, right? And yeah. you know, you guys, we used to be in our our sensitive and intimate moments with our girls doing that, but now it's just so paraded with so much negativity, and we highlight every woman as a bitch or a hoe. And, and it's to our fault because we should be able to control the narrative of how we balance the music. Yeah. We operate on a different lens to where our sensitive side towards our woman, you know, showing her that love and that affection and that care that we used to um, value. It's not there like it used to be. Yeah. Right? I grew up uh, it, and to go, go along with that, like the Bobby Browns and, and, and all the craziness. That was like the one weird friend. You know what I mean? The one who was talking about, you know, bitches and hoes, this and that. That's like the one loud talking friend. Mm -hmm. Instead of now, the rest, Ralph Tresvant is the one corny friend. Like, I remember growing up, like, my family, they're all musicians and stuff. So we were like, music and groups were like big. So After Seven, Mint Condition, uh, you know, like, just full music stuff was, was what we kind of paid attention to. And that was the perfect era growing up in the 80s and the 90s because that's what that's all it was. You know, them R&B groups, you know, Portrait and Low Key and, you know, a bunch of dudes are probably washing cars somewhere now. But it was just constant, <laughs> you know, constant <laughs> influences. Or they're, or they're waiting for their uh, TV one. Yeah, uh, yeah. What's that, what's that you know, biopics of yeah, they don't come out exactly. with. And so, but waiting all, for that check for that. All we got was bombarded with, you know, all we listened to, Babyface. And it was just dudes who were highlighting women. So even if you heard, you know, bitch better have my money, that's the weird, crazy friend. That's the Man. loud friend of the group. That wasn't the message. Nah, not at all. You know, and just. But now that is. Yeah, now the that's message. the message. Now the one dude that, who's that talking is. about respect women, he's the one weird dude. <laughs> he's the like, Ooh, what are you talking about? Man, he's just talking. <laughs> and that, and that's like, and I say that was a very, um, you know, real time because. You know, we come from. I was talking to a friend the other day. I mean, we come from, um, and I and I want no one to be offended, but we. I come from that core of make a bitch, break a bitch, shake a bitch college. Like I come from that core. Like I okay. come from that that lineage of 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 player player. You know what I'm saying? You know, Matt Daddies and and you know figuring out how we're gonna break a chick. Like, we come from that, but. The reality, we also come from that lover. You're my best friend. You know what I'm saying? You're you're you're, you're my candy girl. You know, okay. we come from both those eras. We come from I'll make love to you, boys to men. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We come from that LL Cool J. I need love. We come from that yeah. as well. So we were like balanced. But now when you look at our music. There is not an inch or amount of respect. And even in those moments where you're thinking they're going to go to the right with this respect, yeah. it's it's almost kind of like, OK, you, you, you know, it's twisted. It's yeah. it's a twisted song. So, I, but OK, so stick with that. I think that that's huge. So the big so growing up, uh, my parents didn't split. Till I was in middle school. Yeah. So growing up as a little kid, my parents were married. All my dad's brothers were married. 
like all the men that I saw on the regular were all married family men. And that was so, probably cheating, but go ahead. Eh, some of them, but <laughs> they're not all still married. Yeah. Uh, sure. But but you know, they, they, so I think what I saw. So I didn't come from the make a brick, make a bitch, break a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like that wasn't that wasn't my hey, reality. Listeners, man, hey, yo, there used to be a smoothie before there was a Barry Axie. Yeah, just let you know. So that. that that wasn't that wasn't my that wasn't my reality. So my reality was uh, families. Like on the block I lived on, there was one bachelor. Yeah. Like on on the whole street in the neighborhood, yeah. everybody knew who he was, yeah. and everybody else was you know marriage and families and stuff. And so that's what we grew up into. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, but. Like, I know I'm I know I'm a, an anomaly now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we had like it literally was a different side um, to so many of us. You know, we were very uh, complex young men running around. Yeah, because you know you had the young men that were very sensitive, and you had the young man that was hyperly sexually active, and you had the young man that were like, eh, I don't really know, and you fell in between those, and yeah. you know I fell into a little bit of both, and, and I think that. Um, those moments in those days, you know, we were just highly sexual and we we dibbled and dabbled with a lot of alcohol and, and then uh, then eventually some drugs. And in those moments, you know, you're finding yourself, you're a lost soul, you're a lost child. Uh, that music generates a lot of our our, our, our um, soundtrack to the lifestyle that we lived. And we just kind of moved into that. Yeah. But again, um, I think that when you look at and research the music from here today, um, from back in the day, um, as my daughter liked to say, um, there's nothing like some of that earlier sound that would resonate for you to really captivate what a man and a woman looks like, what black love looks like compared to what it is right now. Yeah. The, the narrative is totally switched. And I believe because of that narrative, it has affected how black men look at women in the way there has been such a, a surge and um, sexual assaults and um, violence, you know, against yeah. women and not the violence that um, is, you know, uh, spousal abuse. You know, you live to see another day with a black eye, literally that you're not going to live to see your family again. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not only going to kill you, but I'm going to kill myself. I've seen more and more of that in a scarier part. It's happened um, with younger people. So. When I do these things for my daughter, it's almost like a, 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 a protection mechanism because I'm afraid for her to deal with an irrational young man. Because yeah. when we and don't get us, don't get it twisted. A lot of us young men, we were one minute listening to um, high five. I can't wait another minute. And then, you know, singing some raunchy song about, you know. Two life crew, was, yeah, two two life crew was, was busy. It was me, was, me so horny. Was packed Why? The same time. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Because a lot of us sometimes got our heart broken by young women. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So we find it felt like that, that, and that should, and everybody has had that moment with that teenage love, right? When you just, ooh, that 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 is a pain that is so thick, <laughs> so yeah. deep at that moment. You think that you're gonna never be able to walk again, breathe again, live again, um, love again, but that now has took in a place where the young people, and I'll say specifically the young men, have taken it to another level where they will be uh, emotionally distraught and not only will they try to hurt themselves, but they'll try to hurt the woman. Yeah. Where before, you know, we took it on the chin, 
you know, you might might have turned into a cold player afterwards. Right. But the reality was you wasn't finna go um, lose yourself. Right. And a lot of people in this generation, I will say probably the last decade, you've seen the increase of, um, you know, real domestic violence in the black community that has turned fatal and it's scary for me having a a young daughter and also having young kids that are also my children on that not biologically but because there wasn't a man to to play that role and i have that you 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 really have to look at the temperament of some of these young men growing up because you just don't know that a breakup could turn into something fatal i read a story um, and I forget where it was, where a young lady was giving back her ring, giving back her ring and her boyfriend or fiance at that time killed her. And I'm not too sure if he killed himself, but you're hearing that more and more often happening in the black community. And these are things that we used to like to say was just a white thing. Yeah. It, and that going along with being the making the, our women feel safe and the, and the whole narrative that's different. Growing up, you know, you saw it, just when you saw examples of, you know, your boys, the men's and your how to love women. You There was a song for the heartbreak. Like, <laughs> like, like there, there was a soundtrack to, to talk you through it. Like there were all these examples of the whole palette of emotions. You, you, you can go when it's a party, when it's just hanging out after school, when it's that cute girl on the basketball court. Like you had a whole soundtrack that covered all these emotions and. Then it just started getting whittled down. It went from like a, a, a thousand crayon box <laughs> to like six. And you got like six colors that you now got to figure all your stuff out with. And then when you... you I'm trying to figure out what a, what a good uh, breakup song was back in the day. Like when you was just going through it? Like... Oh, was, it, was it... Was it... Would you... Would, can You Stand the be considered a breakup song? Um... Kind of right. I think middle, it. Right? Would, I think it would touch your feelings like it was, but even though that's not what the song is about. I think that but you know I, what. I I, that one I, that maybe a breakup song. I don't remember Michelle. Something in my heart. I think that song. That was my joint. Something in my heart. I'm trying to think of what. That, I mean, what that was I that was a, that was a break. I, if that, I think that was. A, I would consider that. I mean, let me let me know people if it's not considered to be a uh, yeah. breakup song. Sidebar to that. When you come across the podcast, whether you get it on SoundCloud, you get it on iTunes, Speak you see it up it. on social media, pops up on your Twitter. Go ahead, hit the comments, leave something in there. We, you know, when you, if we touch a nerve, if we hit something, man, let us. Uh, I also want to say shout out to the people because when when it gets shared and I get notifications, okay. on different, there are certain certain people who who regularly yes. are, are sharing. Rock it. out! So, Thank you. Uh, shout you out will to get a, a shirt first. Yeah, uh, Harrison, Harrison Anderson, no doubt. Uh, he's always sharing it. Queen, Io Queen, Taylor, Queen Dana, Queen Dana, Queen, Dana, Queen Maya, Maya, MJ. Uh, Corey, Corey Wright's always oh, yeah, sharing Corey's it. Always pulling it down. Uh, you know, just the folks who who, who continuously uh, King share Gino, it. King Gino, Jamuel, uh, shout out to Jamuel. Uh, all the people who regularly, you are appreciated. We 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 do thank you for that. And uh, yeah, if you got a breakup song, if there's something that that no, that, I think that, that it's Michelle. I think that it's Michelle. Uh, something in my heart. I'm, I'm gonna have to think about that. Yeah, I think so. I think about that. But but going along with with the protection and making our women feel safe because that's something that's huge too. Domestic violence is huge uh, in our community. No, it's just, it's, it's it's something. And, it's something just like when we talked about the um, you know the brother Elijah Muhammad earlier. You know, and you you mix those two and combine the story. But you know, it's one different thing to this situation. Um, you don't talk about you know underage sex. <laughs> 
um, you know, with the minors. You don't talk about that because you look at the R. Kelly situation. We kind of say, well, I don't know. And then, you know, we run away from the abuse that is happening yeah. in, in these relationships between black couples. And it's just to me when it gets to a point to where it gets so volatile, I got to leave. But now not only are these people, these guys that I would say are not only affecting like the, the, the spouse, but they're also affecting the families and then will go so far to kill themselves in, yeah. in moments of passion when they're like, I don't, I can't deal with it. If I ain't going to have you, no one's going to have you. And that's scary as that's shit. That's sleeping with the enemy. I can't live without you and I won't let you live without me. You know, dudes, like taking it literally. Yeah. Dudes who think that they're being about theirs by running off any new guy who wants to come in so she can be happy again. Or like bring the yeah, stability yeah, that yeah. she didn't have with you. Uh, like, they've like, taken stalking to a whole nother level. Yeah. A lot of times children are involved. You know, and what type of volatile environment that brings to children. Because like, that's something, too, that I think a lot of times we think that, well, we never fight in front of the kids or we never do that. Kids pick up the energy of, of that type of chaos. They feel the energy. And they are nothing but sponges. Mm-hmm. And they hear and pick up on way more than, than you ever think they do. And it creates a little hurricanes in their head. Yes, where there, there's no security, there's no safety. It makes them anxious and 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 fearful, and and it just it creates a volatile environment within them. You may look at the kid and he's just sitting there calm, or she's sitting there quiet, but it's tornadoes going on in her brain and in her heart and in her spirit because of all the craziness that's going on with the adults. And then think about it when you think about the abuse. It comes down to a lot of women believing that abuse is love, right? A lot of women believing. That that's um, oh, yeah. a he's, sign of he's, affection. He's flipping out on me because he that's how he, much he, he loves me, me. That he's willing to go to I jail. I need to be for there for him. I need to help him. Um, you know, the, the shit is so bizarre. I cannot um, express to the women that are in abusive relationships how much you need to leave, regardless of um, the guilt you feel. Yeah. Um, the end result is you have to protect yourself and protect your babies and. No woman should be in any kind of abusive uh, relationship physically or mentally. And just some of the aftermath, and I've dealt with some of the aftermath of some of the friends, uh, close friends that have been in abusive relationships to where I've been put in a position where I've had to do some things as well. Right. Um, Some of the aftermath of that is so telling. You, you sometimes you don't even bounce back, right? You know, because you yeah. end up going into another a more abusive relationship because you start thinking that that's what the way it's supposed to be. And it's traumatic. It's almost like if you took an old Polaroid picture or just take, take a sheet of paper and you ball it up, mm-hmm. you can flatten it out as much as you want to. It's those those creases are forever. And when you deal with the trauma of somebody attacking you, mm-hmm. especially somebody that you trusted and loved and believed in and, and felt protected by those you can, I don't care how much you iron it with all the stuff you try to put over it. Them, those creases on that page are forever. Yeah. And, and that's a permanent damage. And my thing is, and yes, no woman needs to be in a relationship where they're being abused or even fearful of being abused. But uh, gentlemen, this whole you could still kick it and come around mm. and you putting hands on a woman. That mess gotta stop. Nah, well, Negroes can't be around me. You know what I'm there's, saying? Like, like that idea that can't be around me if they're being abusive to their woman and Negroes who ain't taking care of their kids. But you know, I mean, we got the woman, man. That that's in that man's house 
Well, that's that man's nah. business. You know, you know, we hear yeah, it though. Hear, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that whole that nah, nah, nah. Like I said from the top, women are such an integral part of of our society and our culture, and, and they're what helps move the machine. Yeah, I just remember, um, you know, being visiting the hometown of New York just uh, a few months ago, having to jump out on a few uh, different situations with men that were like, you know, in a, a real, real sketchy situation with some women. Yeah. And um, I, I put my life on the line with some of my soldiers. But at the same time. When I was hearing them screaming and yelling and going back and forth and hearing the men being aggressive in one incident, watched a man drag his woman outside of the car. You know what I'm saying? Um, And jumping out like, yo, what's good? That's what we have to do to be the protectors. You know what I mean? You don't sit there and just highlight that all the time. And, um, you know, it's a very scary moment because you don't know, you know, what what these guys will have in in, in their uh, uh, tricks up their sleeves and their mind. When somebody's approaching them, especially a man is saying, yo, what you doing with your woman? It's like, yo, this is my woman. This is my business. And that sets their 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 plight a little bit more. But luckily um, for all parties that um, coolest head, heads prevailed. Right. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, with one of the women, they went back, you know, with the dude and was kind of clowning him a little bit, <laughs> but got back in the car. And the other women, you know, they was thankful. And the guy, you know, he ran off. But it's something that. Us as men got to stand up, step up and say we ain't tolerating it. We got to make sure that our men know that it ain't cool, dude. It, I understand you pissed off and not even saying that you're not uh, wrong for how you feel. But we just don't need to use the violence. We don't need to use the manipulation on a level to where it's going to be um, hurtful. Yeah. We don't need to be able to. Um, we need to be able to look at our our our, um, our sisters and our women um, as precious as we look at our kids. Um, as precious as we look at some of the things that we value, yeah. um, you know, materialistic things that some people value more than people. Yeah. But it's just it just got to stop, man. And we have to be brothers and we have to also be sisters that don't provoke the violence as well as when there is some violence. Step out, step away, even though it feels like it's hard. Trust me, you'll be a lot safer and a lot better when you make that step to get out of that situation. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. Uh, all, all that in going for your phone, you know, when like stop recording yeah. and start helping. You're, you're brave enough to get close enough to Come get on. get everybody's face in HD, but you ain't brave enough to tell somebody to stop. Hey, you know what I mean? Tell you, brother. You know, and, and just being being mindful of those sorts of things, man, about, about you know, like I said about you can get involved and look after women or that aren't just the women, you know. You know, it don't just have to be your sister. It doesn't have to be your mom. Like I remember, I was leaving this uh, was late night function once, and I was walking, and there was these two women walking to their car, and it was this group of dudes who was kind of like following behind them slow. I didn't know the women. I didn't know the dude in the car, and I remember just I just kind of fell back and started walking slower to my car. Mm-hmm. And one of the girls picked up on it, and she was like, "Oh, he's making sure we get to our car, okay." Like he's, you know, it's like, why is this guy walking slow? It's like, oh, he's just making sure we get to the car. Okay. It's okay to, to put yourself, you know, I put get yourself it. first, you know, and, and, and recognize the big picture that, that, you know, we got to start looking out for each other a little better. Yes. And it's not to say there ain't no dudes doing it. And we're not speaking in superlatives where ain't no men stepping up and no men are protecting and no men are, we, we recognize that there are men out there. We just need a few more. Hey, 
That's it. You know, we we because you know some folks like, well, I do my part, and I do okay, then just keep doing your part. But we need a few of the ones that are on the bench to get in the game. We need a whole fleet, a whole fleet. So before we end off our show, (laughs) we got a little segment we want to get to. Oh man, come on! And I hate to do it, man, because you know we're talking about the empowerment of women, and I feel like I'm finna kind of rattle the cage a little bit, you know. But when you go through just the week. That is the week that was, and we're looking at the Kanye buffoonery, coonery just going down. He's in Africa right now, giving Yeezys out to the uh, uh, well, the, the children of Af- in Africa, and um, just some of the things that he said. Um, folks believing that he's making chess moves. Um, we're now utilizing the excuse that he's uh, uh, mentally ill. Okay. It was going to be easy to say Yeezy. Again, always just back to back like Drake. But what I found was we're going to hold and pause on Yeezy, but we're going to go to our auntie um, from the NAACP, um, Alice Huffman. I thought you were going to say it was old girl again. Who? Rachel Dozel. (laughs) She back in the NAACP? No, I'm just playing. But um, and here's the whole thing about Alice, Auntie Alice. Auntie Alice is a part of the NAACP. She is the president of the national organization, an organization that has been around for so long. I mean, Negroes, if you don't know, it's the National Association of Advancement of Colored Colored People. people. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And how have colored people advanced? Well, anyway, the reality is this. She is uh, opposing Proposition 10. Proposition 10 is basically an expansion of rent control in California. And I think that we need it. But of course, like any other proposition, there are some ins and outs, some things that um, are are written that don't make some sense. But in the reality of it all, when I'm looking at my rent from the last year going up $50, I'm looking at it like something got to be done. We need to put a fence around the yard. Yeah. So here's the thing, the twisted thing. As NAACP is an organization as for colored people and would you think would support something like this? She is with her own private um, entity as actually being a consultant that is getting 800K to say no and utilizing the NAACP as a vehicle to push the no where everyone is looking at. Wouldn't this be the NAACP saying yes? So the reality is this is more of the same thing. All skin folk and kin folk. It's another person in the black community utilizing power, also preying on the ignorance of black people, as well as the fact that the NAACP has been a organization that has been supposed to be pro-black, has been supposed to be protecting black and an organization that is supposed to build black, that it has tricked folks to believe that whatever we say, black people will go do. And that's why she got the money. And that's why she is a silly Negro of the week, because she is creating a hurricane right now when it comes to black people looking at organizations that have been around for so long and the plight of black people. And where the hell are we going in this moment? She, while she goes to the bank cashing checks. It is a very, very weird thing. She's not only sat there and um, made no qualms about it. 
she's been very boldly and said, she cool with it. "Oh, bro, she 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 basically said, let me see, let me get what's her name again, so everybody can Google Al, Al, can, Alice Huffman, right? Alice Huffman. You okay, can you so, can add her on, you know, whatever social media and holler at her. She said to the Guardian, "I don't apologize for it." I was like, "I don't see it as a conflict of interest." Just, she she going to keep it all the way. Uh, yeah, I'm not, she plus keeps two. it all the way. I mean, if Prop 10, the campaign, yeah. if it passes, she's on track, like I said again, to make $800,000. So, so, so think about that. Um, there has been, you know, major backing for the for the Prop 10 piece, and she herself is in the real estate business as well. It's a nice little come up. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> this is kind of like a win-win for her, but in the reality, it just shows you more and more of why we have to kind of get folks like this out of um, what we call the position of leadership for the black community and get their voices out from speaking for all black people because they don't necessarily speak for all black people. And what folks have to start understanding, black people in general, that a lot of black people really are feeling that they're part of that 1% and that a lot of these different propositions that come because they're in a higher tax bracket, it affects them as well. Yeah. So their interest will be on to what least affects them. So, you know, Auntie Alice, silly nigga of the week. See, well, these are things we need to make sure that we highlight not getting caught up in, in the headlines and news or what other folks think we should be caring about. Controlling our own narrative, being watching what's important to us, what we need to be involved with, being involved with, with our community, you know, starting in our household, our, our sisters, our daughters, our brothers, our fathers, you know, branching out to our neighbors, the streets that we walk every single day, the people we pass all the time, taking a little extra concern to take a little extra energy and, and to, to engage and, and, and to hold ourselves as well as the people that we consider our friends and family accountable to the stuff that we do. These are things that we have to be mindful about, that we have to be active about, and definitely something we have to say something about. Yes, sir. This is Say Something Podcast. I'm Jermaine Morris with Barry Axis. Where can folks find you online, sir? Barry Axis on Facebook, Barry Axis on Twitter, and at uh, Team Boy on IG. I'm Jermaine Morris on Facebook. Every other social media platform is at J Morris CEO. You can catch other Barry stuff at Black Blueprints with a Z.com. And also trap the vote. Let's go out there and vote November 6th, family. My stuff you can find. Everything else to do, uh, momentwithmorris.com. This has been the Say Something Podcast. And until next show, yes, sir. we will holler at you later. Peace.